Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and today I am bringing you the message, Two-Edged Sword, based off of Psalm 64 and Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. So, let us dive into the Word today. Our scripture readings this morning are from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, and Psalm 64, from Hebrews. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And Psalm 64. O God, listen to my complaint. Protect my life from my enemy's threats. Hide me from the plots of this evil mob, from this gang of wrongdoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim their bitter words like arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent, attacking suddenly and fearlessly. They encourage each other to do evil and plan how to set their traps in secret. Who will ever notice, they ask. As they plot their crimes, they say, we have devised the perfect plan. Yes. The human heart and mind are cunning. But God himself will shoot them with his arrows, suddenly striking them down. Their own tongues will ruin them, and all who see them will shake their heads in scorn. Then everyone will be afraid. They will proclaim the mighty acts of God and realize all the amazing things he does. The godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in him. And those who do what is right will praise him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God for this word. The tongue is a powerful instrument. And it can be used to cut down and destroy or it can be used to heal and build up. But there is an instrument even sharper than the sword that is our tongue. And through it, and through the grace of God, it can help us control it. Let me all tell you a quick story. Uh, something I... I'm not very proud of to this day. We've all had those moments when we've done or said something we later came to regret, right? 
while I'm certainly not impervious to sin or a wicked tongue. So back when I was a teenager, in my most angelic years, probably about 17 years old, by the way, it's those angelic years that I wore the halo that resulted in my baldness. So um, we can blame God for that later. But uh, I was dating this girl, and over time I just wanted out of the relationship. We've all been there back in our teenage years, unless you're married to your high school sweetheart, and God bless you if you are. But... Um, We've all been there, and we were just in different places, mentally and emotionally at the time, and uh, though I cared for her as a friend, I just wasn't feeling it romantically, and if that makes sense, you know, it's kind of like, no, we can still be friends. That never really works in high school, but it did. That was kind of, sort of. We were still connected to this day. Um, Anyway, I decided to do the right thing and let this person know how I felt. Uh, be honest and delicate about it, and then I would call off the relationship. Sounded like a great plan. Except it didn't work that way. The person obviously didn't feel the way I felt uh, and didn't want to break up. So, of course, drama unfolded in our conversation, and over time, voices raised, intentions raised. And words got thrown back and forth, more on my end. <laughs> um, and eventually frustrated with me and trying to get me to change, and with me not wanting to change my mind, uh, she said to me, if you break up with me, I'm gonna kill myself. Now we've all heard that before. It's not uncommon, not the first or last time that's gonna happen, but it angered me. Because it was clearly a move to manipulate me, you see, and uh, it just tug my heartstrings, make me feel guilty for just being honest and expressing myself honestly, you know, like, the, the, you know, or at least that's how I perceived it in the moment. Maybe I was wrong in that perception, though. You know, it's funny how we always start off with the perception that our perceptions are correct. That's pretty much where we start as human beings, right? And then when tensions fly and anger rises, it's not us who need to evaluate where we are, it's everybody else. And they better get out of my way, right? We never pause to wonder or question why someone says something or believes a certain way. We just know they're wrong because they said it to us. That's Humanity 101. Now, I could have responded any way to her. I could have asked her why she wouldn't even say that. Or I could have still broke off the relationship while offering her support and help. That might have been nice. Or maybe I could have just said, look, I'm sorry you feel that way, but it's over. It would have been a little cold and callous, but it would have, would have worked. Nope, that was not my response to her. My response to her was, good, I'll get you the gun. Yeah. Double-edged sword, right? And then I hung up the phone. 
conversation over. My friends were there. Oh, we all laughed about it. That was funny. It was hilarious. And I justified it on the principle that she was trying to guilt me and manipulate me, right? Oh, you ask me, I didn't mean those words. I just said them. And besides, she wasn't going to do it. But how did I actually know that she wouldn't? I've lived a bit longer in my life since then. I've seen people who say they're going to do something carry it out. What if the next day, or a few weeks down the road, she turned up dead? Then what? How would have my words felt then? How much more ashamed would I have been than I already am with what I said? Could I have lived the rest of my life with those words? This person, thankfully, never did follow through with that. And who knows, she could be even watching this now. We're friends on Facebook. Live in different time zones, so if she's up this early, God bless her. <laughs> In fact, in remembering this moment, I had realized something. All of these years later, and it's been a few years since I was 17, all of these years later, I never said I was sorry for those words. And as I was preparing for this message today, I realized I needed to reach out to her all these years later and say, hey, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if you even remember this. And if not, you're probably better off for it. But there was a time I said some really nasty things to you, and I'm sorry. There were no justifications or exceptions for those words. I'm sorry. Because it does no good if I am apologetically talking about it up here and I haven't reconciled with the person. What example does that set? That just makes me a hypocrite. And I'm a hypocrite enough without having to add that to it. By the way, in case this story hasn't made you realize this, I am not always a nice person. I mean, I am by nature nice, easygoing, fun-loving. I mean, I bring a sword to church, I mean, who does that, right? Like, I get it. But you know, sometimes I'm not that nice. Now, there are times when situations you know, beg me to not be nice. You know, as parents, we all know that we're not always nice to our children, and that's usually intentional to teach them 
So there are those moments, but then there are the moments, the other times where I am just, as my friend Blake would say, a jerkish giganticus maximus, which is Latin evidently for moose. Because evidently moose, as beautiful and nice looking as they are, are really nasty animals who will tear you apart in a heartbeat. And they'll tear your car apart too while they're at it. And the truth is, so are you. We all are. All of us can be big, gigantic moose sometimes, right? Let's be honest. It's not just me, I'm not alone up here. We may not want to admit it, we may not like hearing it, but it's the truth. We've all used words that have been more harmful than good. Destructive words can flow so easily when we've lost our tempers, or are caught up in moments of passion, or ego, or selfishness. Yet at what cost? our words come. There's one thing that the Bible is consistent on regarding sin and evil. The tongue is often, the tongue is often the first instrument to wield it. And what an awfully destructive instrument it can be. Humans, sinful as we are, can absolutely cut people down and destroy them with their words. The truth is, the tongue is the most destructive tool we have as a human being. I mean, sure, swords, they're, they're pretty bad, you know? I can cut, I can swing this, and I probably better be careful because I'll cut myself, but I can swing this and do some real bodily damage to somebody. Maybe even kill them. However, once dead, much more you can do with this, you know? Except put it back till the next fight. The tongue, on the other hand, oh, it delivers wounds that can poison hearts and souls. Wounds that last an entire lifetime or more. Now you may be wondering, how can a wound last longer than a lifetime? Because our words, because our words can lead someone not just into psychological or emotional peril, but spiritual peril as well. That is why the early church focused so much on right doctrine and on the proper Christology or how we understand who Jesus is in relation to God. That's why. Getting these words are so very important because we are dealing in eternal matters, amen? We're not just dealing with the here and now, we're dealing with all eternity. So yeah, the Bible is clear that the tongue is, that the tongue is more times than not wicked, evil, vile, venomous. It's a weapon that, when recklessly wielded, can literal, literally kill people on the deepest of levels. The psalmist's description of the tongue is just that, a deadly weapon. He wrote in verses five, three through five of people, 
sharpening their tongues like swords and aiming their bitter words like arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent, attacking suddenly and fearlessly. They encourage each other to do evil and plan how to set their traps in secret. He wrote that such people taunt God by thinking that no one notices their wicked ways. God notices. In verses 7 through 8, he also wrote, But God himself will shoot them with his arrows, suddenly striking them down. Their tongues will ruin them, and all who see them will shake their heads in scorn, a.k.a. face palm. We also know that James had some thoughts on the tongue from our previous worship series, Living Faith. He called the tongue a, a flame of fire and a world of wickedness. So it is pretty clear that the tongue is a nasty little organ. And it's funny because we as the church, we focus on, on all these supposed sins, whether it's homosexuality, or it's abortion, or it's gambling, or drinking. We, we go down the list of all those sinners out there, right, in our, in our minds. But we don't ever stop to check our tongues. And the Bible has more than one or two passages on the tongue. Amen? People can be built up with the tongue, encouraged and given renewed life through words that come off the tongue. The question is, how do we control that little wagging organ in our mouth? And the answer is in our scripture today, in Hebrews. The answer is the Word of God. First off, the Word of God is the Bible. It's the Bible. If we read scripture, we'll come we will come face to face with our sins. And that may be painful, it may cut like a sword, but it's impossible for it not to happen because the Bible is a mirror for our sinfulness. It commands us to see ourselves in the light that God sees us. The Bible then is the word of God and it acts like a double-edged sword cutting away our sinfulness. With that said, theologically speaking, the Word of God isn't merely a book. What else is the Word of God? Who else is the Word of God? Jesus. Who said that? That was heavy. Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things that exist, exist through him. Nothing that exists, exists apart from him. And the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling place among us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ is the word of God that cuts sharper than a sword. Don't believe me? Let's check out. I was going to say, don't believe me, ask the dishes. That's Disney. 
Don't believe me? Let's check out Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like fire, and his head had many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was The Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses, and from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is God's sword. Friends, the Word of God, or the Bible, leads us to and guides us in, the, in following the Word of God, Jesus Christ. If we read it actively and regularly, and I, I say this to Jen because Jen is operating the camera here, she has not only read the Bible once in full completely, she's going for seconds. Jen, has the Bible been your sword? Yeah. Has your faith been your shield? Amen. I'm not joking. Read the Bible. Make it regular. Not only will we draw closer to our Lord and God, but we'll begin to learn what God desires, not only for us, but for all creation. You'll begin to transform from the inside out. And the words and actions that flow through you will look more and more like Jesus. I see that in Jen. I can see that in you. I want to challenge you to read your Bible every day. And if you don't have a Bible, whether you're in person or online, talk to me or email the church at newtonumc07860 at gmail.com. Or if you're here in person, there's a table with Bibles on it. And if you don't like that translation, I'm not fussy. I'll buy a Bible right surely. I've done it before. Let me know. Someone took me up on that in the earlier service. As a church community, how can we begin to better model godly speaking? We have a wonderful community here with very loving, welcoming people. But all it takes is one or two to be talking negatively about this or that, and the damage is done. Do you know we had two guests in here one time? were visiting because uh, I had done a funeral for their family. They, they were thankful for it, wanted to come check out the church. And evidently there was some negative talking going on without going into detail. 
I've never seen those people back. Do you blame them? How can we learn to use our tongues in a Jesus kind of way instead of a Satan kind of way? A way that seeks to tear down and divide. And I realize that it's not done on purpose. We can easily get caught up in the negative things because they're easy to see. They, they, they stare us in the face and they need to change, right? But when we don't know the right place and time to address those things and we're doing it for other people to hear, I challenge us as a church to begin to examine and assess the ways we communicate with each other and the way we communicate the gospel of Jesus out to the world. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you so much for this challenging message. First off, it's encouraging because we realize that no matter how destructive we may be sometimes, and we all are, there's grace for us. There's opportunities always to make it right and to do right. Help us to be a people who have the humility to know when we need to change and to do right by others and by you. But Lord, this is a challenging message because we all fall short in this department. Not one of us, not one of us stands empty-handed with no blame. So help us rise to the challenge, Lord, for it is in challenges that we find who we truly are. It is the challenges in life that define who we become. And so help us rise to the challenge to be a people who use our tongues to build your kingdom rather than tear kingdoms down. Thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' name.